Hey everybody, absolutely fantastic episode of The Morning Show today. The main story that we cover is Brian Armstrong and Coinbase actually suing the SEC after a lack of regulatory clarity. So we talk about this as a potential precedent-setting moment in the United States and crypto history, and we talk about all of the kind of different aspects of this situation. We also talk about where crypto stands in the United States compared to the rest of the world, and after that, we actually talk about the NFT space, where we're at right now, what's going on with the Board Ape Yacht Club ecosystem, what's going on with Amazon coming into NFTs. We talk a little bit about captains. We talk about Dot Swoosh. So overall, it's a great show. The free NFT is available to claim at the nifty.com slash claim with the code BRANDOG. So B-R-A-N-D-O-G. It's a playoff of Brando because it's a Godfather themed free NFT. Hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the NFT Morning Show. Today is Tuesday, April 25th, and you have tuned into the show that covers all things NFTs, crypto, technology, entertainment, gaming, finance, and just about everything in between. I'm your host, P.O., here with an absolute all-star team, kicking it off with Signal sporting the badass cap again. Signal is a coder turned content creator, the host of the Art Artist Spotlight Vertical at the Nifty. We absolutely love getting her sophisticated takes on the NFT market. She always knows what's up. Easy Eats Bodega, the dog behind Bodago's. Market trader extraordinaire, absolute badass, the host of GM, GM Market Talk, among other very successful NFT shows. Of course, King Kicks, CEO of Crypto Raiders Gaming Studio. They just put out Cyber Stadium. It's kicking ass. Prize pool over $200,000, 100% goes back to the players. Love to see the innovation on the gaming side. People seem to really be enjoying it. Of course, we got Clemente, producer extraordinaire, head of growth at the Nifty. Wouldn't be able to do the show without him. And last but not least, we have Bunny. Bunny, your bio just says Board Ape Yacht Club delayed again, and now your kids can't go to college? Yeah, dude. Uh, I don't know what's up with it. They messed up the metadata. This is like the third delay. Uh, it's not good. I'm also still driving. I'll be back home in a second. Hold on here. Were your kids on time for school? Yeah, dude. We had an electric episode of GMGM uh, Market Talk. Ran a little long. Uh, just got them there. Two of the lanes were closed. We don't have to. We don't have to deep dive into the construction, though. But but they were there on time. Yeah, yeah. Well, only one of them goes to school. The other one's only one. She can't go yet. I got stuck with her. I was going to say that's too bad. Uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to discuss today. But before I do, actually, kicks. And how come you're not on YouTube, buddy? What's going on over there? You talking to me, tough guy? I am. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, running a uh, running a home inspection right now. It's a little side job I have. No, I'm kidding. I'm uh, looking at buying a house, so I uh, had to meet the home inspector over here. So I'm on mobile, but don't worry. I ate a breakfast bagel croissant. Actually, it was fantastic. I got a cappuccino in me, so I'm ready to fire off some NFT talk with you. So you're loaded with carbs and cheap coffee. Love to hear it. Uh, and we're competing with a home inspector for your attention. Gotta love Web3, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, today we're going to cover Coinbase suing the SEC and what this could actually mean for crypto and NFTs. We're going to talk about potential upcoming market catalysts over the next 30 days. And we're going to roll out a segment called Choose Your Fighter. So we're definitely excited about all that. Uh, Got to shout out. This, our sponsor of today's show, Segment. So we've talked about Segment on this show before. Segment is a new cutting-edge NFT platform that is revolutionizing access to digital assets. So they have an innovative lock and key model where NFT owners securely lock their assets in Segment smart contracts and create access keys in the form of ERC-1155 tokens. The tokens allow users to share ownership of the underlying asset, making it easier than ever to unlock lock liquidity and delegate utility from otherwise illiquid assets. So segments been working closely with NFT projects and web three companies during the alpha testing phase. So you're early to segment, uh, basically building a platform that's intuitive and user-friendly, but also uncompromising on security and asset custody, which we know is super duper important in Web3. So you know you can trust segment to safeguard your most valuable digital assets. 
but it'll give you the flexibility and access that you need to share. So head to segment.io to sign up for their beta access to discover the future of NFT asset uh, sharing. All listeners who join their Discord today will receive a special role for being part of the audience that listens to this show. So definitely check out Segment. Shout out to Segment for sponsoring today's show. Before we dive into the weather report, Easy, how's it going, amigo? Good. It's good. A lot of uh, macro news, to be honest, that I've been kind of looking at, been watching the dollar chart on a monthly timeline. So real macro dating back to like the 1980s. It's uh, trying to get a grasp of like where we are. And uh, to be honest, I don't feel great about it. What has you feeling not so great? Uh, You have 19 countries applying to the BRICS. You've got the BRICS settling loans in current currencies, not the dollar. You have Binance allowing for support and use out of Russia again. Uh, There's just a lot of macro things right now that seem like global crypto adoption is going to outpace the U.S. And a lot of currency right now that's settling in non-U.S. dollars. Uh, And when you look at the actual chart, it looks like we're about to break under 100 on the DXY with support that's like from the 90s back down in like like 1992. That sits at about 90 for the DXY, which could be bullish for crypto. Bad for the U.S. economy. We do have the election year obviously coming up, but I think sell in May and go away may end up being a, a beneficial move if you're still trading traditional equities. All right. Well, easy giving us that insight. Signal, how you doing? Um, I feel like I just listened to um, George Soros. Just give us a little, <laughs> a little, a little, a little pep talk there. Um, no, doing all good, man. Um, like, yeah, we're in a bit of a weird time across the markets right now. It definitely, I know, like. You know, it's funny, easy you said that because I felt like I had that feeling a couple of weeks ago, um, especially after Balaji put that tweet out. I do not think that prediction is going to come true. I I think his timeline might be um, potentially too aggressive, but it does feel as if the pieces on the board are moving much faster than people anticipated. um, And we're moving in a direction whereby... uh, like the next 12 months will probably move at a much faster pace than you than you would normally predict a, a one-year period to move. And I don't think it's in favor of the US. So uh, I echo I echo the feeling and it seems to be that you're seeing that in the data. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like I normally, like from macro, normally I'm like a weak trader, but like I zoomed out even more for once and I'm like, the S&P still looks really overbought, which is usually not a good sign. Uh, but the crypto side of things being a global, I guess, currency is actually pretty like a good sign if the dollar kind of slows here, which is good. But obviously, I just worry like being a U.S. resident about like the U.S. economy. You also have like the 20 year super cycles for countries. So, I mean, there's a whole mess of stuff we can dive into. It's It's been a really interesting time to kind of like break it down and research it, though. But I'm definitely bullish crypto. Yeah, I mean, well, pff, I mean, the, my I, my inner Bitcoiner is like screaming right now, like completely shrieking because I'm like, I understand your inner Bitcoiner way more, especially over like as I'm looking at the at the charts. Bitcoin looks good, uh, but I do think it's alt season right now. Uh, looking at Bitcoin dominance chart, I think alt season's ready to rip. Sure, sure. I mean, look, the my in, inner Bitcoiner is absolutely shrieking right now, and to me, I think that you're just going to see an exacerbation of the wealth gap in the United States uh, further. But I mean, that's not like an <laughs> that's not like a super you know uh, hot take. That's definitely something Ooh. that a lot of people think. <laughs> um, anyway, signal. Uh, please take it away with the weather report. Let's get right into it. Yeah, I tried to download a sound today, guys, but it, it wouldn't come through. So I just no worries. And then that's it. You know the rest of the tune. Uh, GM, everyone, Tuesday the 25th of April. You've got total market volume coming in at 22 million. Blur at 12.3. OpenSea down at 6 million. Ouch. On to leaders. Most of the numbers are pretty much the same. So we have recovered. Uh, so uh, Moonbirds back up at mint price. Uh, Captain's just sort of receded a little bit, but everything else pretty stable. Over the past 24 hours, as well. The market is down about 1% to 3%. We've obviously got Blur holding the majority of the trading volume. The midships have recovered. Uh, Captain seeing a slight pullback. It was at 8.2, down to now 8 ETH. While D-Gods, on the other hand, had 25 D-Gods that were swept for 200 ETH. So uh, D-Gods up at 8.1. And most of the top collections have, have been holding their recovery from their lows last week.
weeks, which is good. On to 10KTF, well, Wag Me Sun teased a potential storyline with Puma. If it's a collaboration, this would be Yuga's third large brand partnership this month following the Gucci codependence and obviously the Adidas merch, which is happening now. Currently, lots of speculation there, but nothing is confirmed. On to another big sporting brand, Adidas, or Adidas Alt Holders entered their first evolution of their PFP. The key holders were able to select their trait, which will give them early access to the upcoming line of physical shoes and merch. So lots of uh, physical merch happening with the big sports brand. Obviously, yesterday we had Nike as well. Um, lastly, Grant Yun is dropping part two of Life in Japan series on Nifty Gateway. That is happening on Thursday. Life of Japan uh, series one holders will get early access to the drops and holders of both editions will be able to burn them for a single piece. The supply will be 1299 and the price will be $299 if you're interested in grabbing one of those. On to crypto. We've already spoken about crypto a little bit, but everything holding there on yesterday's number around 27.4 on Bitcoin, 1.8 on ETH. Uh, Solana holding 20, so $20 and eight down at 3.8. So everything pretty steady there. Back to you folks. Fantastic weather report as usual signal. Interesting that Grant Young is dropping on Nifty Gateway. That's interesting. And then also the supply of $1,300 and the price of $300 is very interesting. I wonder what the motivation is behind that structure, like how they went from you know nothing to, to that finished uh, decision. Very, very interesting stuff. Uh, man, I don't... Uh, I, I definitely don't envy artists having to figure out structural, uh, you know, like figure out the structure of their drops that they roll out to make sure that their work doesn't depreciate on the secondary market. It doesn't feel like an easy thing to do. Anyway, some updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. You can sign up at the nifty.com. That is the newsletter we send out five days a week. It's also the platform where you can claim your free NFTs that you can get for listening to this show. Uh, so if you want to be ready to claim that NFT, get on the nifty.com and register. All you need is an email address and you'll be ready to claim the free NFT that we drop on this show later on when we give the password. Anyway, the updates from the newsletter, Coinbase sues the SEC. This is the big story citing a lack of clarity among regulators regarding cryptocurrency. I feel like we've been talking about this for going on a month, maybe even two months. Uh, we had Nick Carter on the Bitcoin show that we run on Tuesdays. Uh, it was about six weeks ago, and he was talking about the article that he wrote in January called Operation Choke Point 2.0 about how the government and other uh, regulatory bodies in the United States are essentially trying to choke out crypto. And when he came on the show, he said I, that he he would update that title from Operation Choke Point 2.0 to Operation Decapitation. And uh, yeah, I mean, Coinbase is one of the entities that's been heavily affected there. It's, I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. I'm, I'm just going off here. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Other stories from the newsletter. Board API Club delayed their roadmap item. It came through the rift to May after initially being slated for April. It should be noted, this is the second delay on this uh, new roadmap for 2023 that Yuga Labs and Board API Club have put out. If anything, it just shows you that even at the highest level, this is a tough game uh, to, you know, hit all your dates in. Obviously, like you've seen D-Gods have issues with this in the past. And, and one of their big focuses is, you know, changing that moving forward, hitting every single date. But even uh, Board API Club having trouble hitting every date second time on this, uh, this particular roadmap, having that issue. Last but not least, Nike's Dot Swoosh released details for their upcoming Hour Force drop that's starting May 8th. There's a 106,453 supply mint at a price of $19.82, payable only with a credit and debit card. So definitely a Web2 you know, onboarding strategy to make it so that you buy it with a credit card. We should dive in later into that supply and what that drop actually is, and whether we think it'll be successful. Look, but moving on to the big story, which is Coinbase suing the SEC after this lack of regulatory clarity. I touched upon it a little bit easy. Do you want to kind of kick things off on this and then we'll dive in? Yeah, I think it's actually like huge. I think this is like the precedent we've all been waiting for, to be honest. Um, yeah. And to be honest, like theoretically, the SEC could come out and just be like, we don't, we don't want to tell you anything, you know, like that's like the worst possible scenario. The best possible scenario is this is how we view it. They haven't actually made an update on how they view cryptocurrency since March of 2021. 
So I did dive into this like late last night. I was really interested in this because like this could have some very long lasting effects. And in two years, crypto's quite literally changed 100x. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of new moving parts here that previously were not a thing. And I think that that's kind of like where this now push is coming from. You had Coinbase actually come to life back pre like pre that moment uh, and actually have some different guidelines around like how they could go live and et cetera. And they actually quote tweeted Gensler in front of Senate or Congress uh, under oath saying that he wasn't sure or it depends when it comes to is ETH a security or commodity, which is like the biggest thing. Because if you actually look back to Gensler's videos at MIT, which got cited in that same uh, kind of like under oath testimony, he says that it's not a security. He actually calls crypto a commodity and says that it's a commodity currency, which was really interesting to me to now hear this like change in perspective over the years. Um, and it was really interesting to dive a little bit further into that. But I think Coinbase going to bat here is such a big thing. Um, I genuinely think it's a huge win for the space to at least get some clarity. And if Coinbase wins, it's going to allow for growth and innovation in the U.S. It's actually going to open up more opportunity because now people have guidelines that they can adhere to and actually roll stuff out. If the SEC wins, we're going to see a lot more offshore action, a lot more global push, a lot more emerging economies. And I think it's why there's such pressure right now going on from other countries to join the BRICS because Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are all very crypto-friendly. And we're seeing a lot more South American countries actually use crypto as like daily transactions and currency, which the U.S. has kind of been slow on. And it's also why the dollar is kind of like trending down. So there's all these big factors all over right now that are playing into this. But this is like a monumental moment, in my opinion, for crypto in the U.S. And if Coinbase wins, it's going to give me a lot more hope for more uh, like legislation and lawsuits to actually come out from businesses to try to make a push for pro-crypto advocacy when it comes to the market. Yeah. So knock on wood, I got to say this, uh, you know, in our industry, you got to say knock on wood whenever you say oh, yeah. this stuff. Knock on wood, I don't think I can think of somebody that's a better leader to take on the SEC besides Brian Armstrong. I think Brian Armstrong is exactly, and he, of course, Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, CEO and founder of Coinbase. I can't think of anyone else. God knows it ain't the Winklevoss twins. God knows it ain't the Winklevoss twins to take them on. Um, obviously, clearly, it wasn't SBF. Uh, who, who even else would you talk about? It's not going to be Michael Saylor, man. I mean, Michael Saylor, it's not. He's just going to keep buying Bitcoin and just saying like, this is going to a million. Like, there's no <laughs> doubt. Like, that's cool. But like, the only thing he that guy cares about is Bitcoin and just Bitcoin. He wants nothing else. But I, Brian Armstrong wants to see the U.S. win. Like, that's the clearest thing. He genuinely wants to see oh, yeah. the U.S. win when it comes to crypto. It's, it's good to have an advocate like this for a publicly traded company going to bat for this entire space. And we, we needed it. Yeah, look, uh, so we had Kristen Smith, the CEO of the Blockchain Association on the Bitcoin show. Uh, I'll probably butcher this, but basically, Kristen is like a liaison between the crypto industry and the government. That's what her job is and has been. You can look her up on LinkedIn and look at the positions that she's held literally over the past decade. She's a crypto lifer and specifically on the kind of governmental and, and regulation side. And her take was, it was twofold. Number one, her unbiased take, which we got for the majority of that show was that uh, everybody's kind of like, we need to survive the next 20 months. Uh, in other words, just wait for this next election to play out uh, before we can get some proper clarity. And that as long as Gary Gensler is heading up the SEC, uh, there it ain't going to be too crypto friendly. That was number one. Then at the end of the show, we had somebody from the audience come on stage, and that audience was basically like hardcore, you know, don't vote Democrat, vote Republican, because otherwise there's no hope for crypto regulation. And I tried to kind of walk that person back because I didn't want the show to get too political. But then Kristen was like, I agree with you. <laughs> so that was the second take that I took from her. Look, as long as there's a Democratic president, we might be held back uh, when it comes to progressing the regulatory side of cryptocurrency. Does it have, does that have material effect on what, for example, Bitcoin, and I guess at this point I can say what ETH uh, is as like, you know, a commodity, if you will? No, it doesn't. Only but in the US. 
Only in exactly. the US. Like, but also, also in Europe, though, as well, because the, like the Euro- Europe looks to the US and so do other countries as sort of a leader when it comes to regulation. You saw what happened after the financial crisis, both Europe and the US uh, had, sorry, Europe looked to the US and they were both very much on the same page about the rules and the policies and the regulation that needed to come in. So, I mean, from a, like, does it affect Bitcoin or ETH as like, as the entity that it is, no, but it does affect businesses. So you're going to have institutions, and you already saw it with Coinbase. They announced last week that they um, opening a new exchange. I want to say Bermuda. I think Bermuda, yeah, uh, Bermuda. Bermuda. Yeah, so um, so they're opening a new exchange in Bermuda. I think that opens like tomorrow. Uh, and then you're also seeing other businesses like Circle, hearing they might be moving to countries like France to Paris. So they're, they're like. Um, the, the 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 quality of flight of capital is very quick in the crypto industry, and a lot of these businesses' talent and resources will just simply shift to another continent or another country that is crypto friendly. They just don't have time for the US to like, waste so much time uh, in actually giving a definitive answer. So it it it, it does have um, a global impact, whatever the US position is. Oh, it absolutely think- does. Go ahead, easy. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the other thing that you're also mentioning there too is like, I keep going back to this BRICS situation with so many countries trying to get into it because these economies from that group are officially in the emerging market industry, which shows them trying to get more adoption of things. And with Hong Kong officially marking Bitcoin as a property and not a commodity or a security, it was like a huge win for China in that industry because now trust can hold it. They literally marked it as like individual property, which I was like, this is a bigger win for crypto than I think a lot of people realize because now it's not under security regulations. It's not a commodity. It's as if you owned a house. It's as if you owned a car. It's like there is some implications from like taxes, et cetera. But this is a big win for retail investors to be able to just go and buy that. And like there's a lot of things that are coming out of these countries that's starting to show more signs of them adopting it at a very quick rate. Like Abu Dhabi just pushed for a 100% decentralized economy where there's no taxes on crypto at all. And like there's things like that where it's like, these countries are going to fly light years ahead of the U.S. if we don't at least try to just be like, this is okay. We need to accept it and try to be more uh, like more positive around it than we are at the current moment. And that's the only uh, – th- that's one angle that you actually can bet on is that if you tell you know a Republican politician that uh, China – is going to get a leg up on the U.S. in crypto, they'll be listening, right? They, they don't want they don't want China to get a leg up on the U.S. when it comes to gymnastics at the Olympics. So forget about you know cryptocurrency and uh, any economic situation. So look, I gotta say my piece on this. I want to go to Bunny in a second because I'm sure it'll be funny. But like real quick, so uh, I'm gonna I'm going to use the term Bitcoin, even though it makes everybody in the audience mad. Pretend I'm saying Ethereum. The thing is, is I can't say the word crypto because I'm not talking about CumRocket or any of these sort of startups that exist in the blockchain space. I'm talking about actual commodity level entities in the space, which you can only safely say is Bitcoin. And at this point, I think some people would argue that Ethereum is is also the case. That's fine. I'm not fighting that war today. We're building a business on Ethereum. I have no qualms. I hold a bunch of Ethereum. I have no qualms with Ethereum. But I have to say Bitcoin because it's the only way that I can process this conversation. So just pretend I'm saying something else. I'm not saying come rocket or some other random uh, crypto BS asset. Okay. But the bottom line is the, the, the point of Bitcoin, for example, is that no one can actually control it. And so if, if the whole world is running away from the United States dollar, that's good for Bitcoin at the end of the day. It just is. And if you're like a patriotic American, uh, then it doesn't sound great to think that the U.S. dollar is going to be devalued. But the reality is what the United States is going to do is make more of the U.S. dollar to pump asset prices and exacerbate the wealth gap. So people that are, you know, janitors living paycheck to paycheck are going to be negatively impacted. That's going to be really, really bad for, you know, that entire socioeconomic class. And it's going to create a lot of problems in the country. But for people that own assets, it's probably going to pump those assets, including Bitcoin, right? And if you're going to run away from the U.S. dollar, 
the whole world is going to gradually figure out you don't want to run to China's currency. You don't want to run to Russia's currency. The only currency you're going to want to run to is the decentralized, neutral, bulletproof, hard currency that was literally made to be the digital version of gold moving forward. You're going to run to Bitcoin. Again, I know I'm making you mad because I know this audience. So just pretend that I'm saying Ethereum. Just pretend I'm saying that. It's fine. Uh, Bunny. What's going on, Amiga? But if you look at the co-sponsors of the, I think it was the Responsible Financial Innovation Act or something like that, uh, right? Like you have a progressive senator from New York, Kristen Gillibrand, co-sponsoring it with someone like Cynthia Loomis, who's a Republican senator from Wyoming. So I'm not sure it's, it's quite straightforward as like Republican good, Democrat bad. Like there's not really a party that has a firm stance on crypto. It's not like a huge issue here. Look at Buddy. Yeah, what? Bunny, I think that was the first serious take you've ever given on this show. I thought take. that was hilarious. That was a really strong take. <laughs> Clemente's got the legislation pulled up on YouTube. Bunny, serving it. Yo, I got to gotta give it a bunny for that go. one. That was pretty good. Oh, good Lord. Okay. All right. Anyway, I'm moving it's like, on. Like progressive Democrats are usually pro-crypto and then like libertarian uh, Republicans. That's like typically how it works. I think what Absolutely. you're saying is the, the younger people uh, like crypto and the older people don't. Yeah. Well, I, in a past life, I did go to war with libertarians on Twitter. In a, uh, in a past life, I'm not proud of. I went to war with libertarians over Twitter on Twitter because I was like, yo, y'all should be Bitcoiners. You're crazy if you're not. I'm all in on libertarian on the libertarian party if we do Bitcoin because why the hell wouldn't we? And they were like, nah. And I was like, ah, oh, you guys just don't get it. You're tripping. Uh, but there, there's a lot of old people that are libertarians, so they're not all the way in on Bitcoin. Look, is there anything else that we're missing here? I mean, like like Easy pointed out, and, and this, of course, ladies and gentlemen, is the NFT Morning Show. Run the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern Time. If you're, it's your first time listening, the show happens right here on Twitter Spaces. It's also available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see the video feed, check it out on YouTube. YouTube. Uh, however, this lawsuit marks Coinbase's first formal action against the SEC following a Wells notice warning of pending legal action with Coinbase seeking regulatory clarity for the industry. Easy. How could this affect the next 12 months of the crypto landscape in terms of price action? Because while we've talked about a lot of theory in this conversation, the reality is the lion's share of the audience only cares about price. And I've learned that the hard way over the past year. I've learned that a majority of the NFT space doesn't understand Bitcoin. There's an aversion to Bitcoin, things like that. People only care about price. There's a lot of people that are full-time in crypto basically trying to trade from 19K Bitcoin to 21K Bitcoin, from $1,600 ETH to $1,900 ETH, you know, to make enough money uh, to put gas in the car. How does this affect price action over the next 12 months? Yeah, so to put it like as simple as possible, I mean, 12 months is a really long time because there is a lot of factors that are going to come out. I would even say like the next three months is where I'm like really looking for volatile moves. Uh, we see the Bitcoin dominance chart currently sitting at almost like a more or less a triple top right now. So I think alt season is going to end up becoming like relatively strong here. I'm looking at ETH for a run as well. I'm looking obviously as a Solana fan myself, I think we get back above 25, 26 off these 20 lows. The big thing does come down to this Coinbase suit. If the SEC wins, we're going to see crypto in general sell relatively hard. If we see Coinbase win, I think crypto rallies and like absolutely sends over the short period of time before it kind of like trickles down. And you can even see Bitcoin's in this kind of range here. Last seven days has been selling off of the 30K break. But as long as we can hold 27, even like 26 area, I feel relatively bullish. The tough part is sell in May has always been like this long-term thing. And when I become like insanely bullish crypto, it's about one year from the election cycle. So August, September is really where I've, and I've, I think I'm actually on record for like the last year saying Q3 2023 is when I think the like best time to just aggressively DCA is, at least for myself, looking at that one year. We're officially under 365 days for Bitcoin having, which typically means we're at the start of a new bull cycle into that Bitcoin having period next year. And a lot of people from like a macro standpoint think that the rest of this year is going to be relatively bloody for the S&P. And a lot of people say that like the S&P and crypto are still correlated. They should be decoupled. And we don't have that yet, just sadly. 
uh, because there is a lot of US dollar influence on crypto. So until there is a separation there, I think there's going to be some carryover effect where if traditional markets sell off, which I do think that they're looking prime to do here, we're going to see crypto trend slightly lower before summer season hits and we start to get a grind up with a more aggressive move come August, September. And then I think 2024, as long as you can survive, it's a game of survival right now. I've been saying it for like the last six to eight months. It's truly a game of survival. If you can survive a bear market, you reap the rewards. And I think 2024 will have a, a lot better upside than we've seen this year. To you, what does survive the bear market mean? Be very conscious of plays that you're making. Don't deploy capital into everything. Uh, be selective on plays. And it's something that I've struggled with. Like I like to chase pumps. I like to chase volume. And in this market, there's such low numbers of people that we currently have, that chasing that doesn't have the same ability as it did in the bull when you could chase a couple pumps a day and find opportunity. Volume is really siloed right now to one or two things that are happening. So when I say a game of survival, it's the perfect time to like focus your energy on conviction plays, figure out your why, figure out your thesis. And remember too, like cash is a position, crypto is a position. You don't need to be over leveraged into NFTs, but there are moves to be made in every single one of these verticals. So really hyper-focusing on one or two things and not spreading yourself too thin and actually doing the research to build your why will make you far better as a trader navigating this market because there are still plays. Like I gotta gotta toot the horn here. Captain's was a beaut, baby. <laughs> that was the that was the trade of the year. You're still holding you know? yours, right? Absolutely. Still holding that. I want another potatoes here because those things have been holding like a like an absolute strong brick wall. But uh, I still have some potential upside on that and it feels good. And even on like soul, like Mad Lads is up over a 12x, you know, like. Doesn't sound crazy, but there's nothing like a nice couple thousand extra dollars from a, a trade just by working. Um, and I think that's like kind of the market we're in is like interact with the communities that are still active, survive until the market starts turning around and we start to see an increase in daily active users and pay attention to events. Like there's no better time to read and research. Like I said, like last night I was looking at that dollar chart at like midnight just because like I was genuinely curious what was going on with it. And it had been a little while since I did. And then it led me down to a rabbit hole of looking into like, what countries are actually adopting their own currencies to settle trade and all the factors and start to build up. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, people, people read bedtime stories. My ass is looking at the dollar chart and reading about like where international trades being settled. I don't know, man. It's figure out something that starts to make sense. Last thing. And then I want to go to kicks. I can't wait to hear from kicks. If the, if everyone, if the whole world is running away from the U S dollar, is it safer over a two year time horizon to be in the U S dollar or in Bitcoin? I would honestly probably say Bitcoin, as uh, wild as it sounds. I mean, me personally, I started buying some Singaporean dollars. Not even kidding. Uh, <laughs> Literally forex like, trading, <laughs> degenerate. It's the least. Not, it's the, not even though no, I'm buying spot Singaporean dollars as a stable play because it's the least diluted currency. It sounds wild, but some people waste money. Why than would you buy that year. instead of Bitcoin? Like well, I have Bitcoin exposure. I do have Bitcoin exposure. <laughs> and I do DCA into Bitcoin, but dude, it just sits flat. So like I'm comfortable sitting flat while the dollar trades lower than it. So I get more use out of the dollar and can easily move it back into the US dollars to actually spend. Like I'm dude, I'm worried about Operation Choke Point. Like the on ramps and off ramps for crypto are a concern. Like I don't want to have to go through like six different swaps to get it into a bank and stuff like that. So there's like reasons for that, but it's it's uh, I do think this your your diehard Bitcoin laser eyes emoji is going to make a lot of people realize here very soon that like people who didn't listen are, are going to be left behind. Well, the people that didn't listen just never figured out what it was. Uh, Kix yeah, has dude. his hand raised. Kix, what's going on, amigo? Yeah, man, I, I love this topic. And, and easy and I seem pretty similar because last night as he was researching, you know, uh, small countries making their own currencies, I was researching the the end of the dis globalization disinflation trend and how that's going to affect everything going Every forward. Every 20 years, baby. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of what I was reading is that, you know, basically uh, most of the disinflation, so stuff that counters inflation, most of the disinflation gains from globalization are, are kind of played out. And, uh, now we are seeing almost like deglobalization, right? Like we're moving semiconductor chips uh, manufacturing from Taiwan to America, right? We're seeing people pull away from globalization. A lot of people think that's going to potentially cause like persistent inflation for the next uh, decade or two. Um, as Easy said as well, at the end of the day, there is high correlation between 
um, you know, crypto and, and the S&P, but really what it is, is it's high correlation between crypto and liquidity, right? Because th that's how the S&P also correlates with liquidity, right? So as liquidity is getting pulled out, of, pulled out of the market, there's less money to bet on anything, including crypto. And so, you know, that's a big part of the reason why the S&P and crypto crashed last year. But the big like eye opener for me was when we had these banks collapsing a month or two ago, and we saw crypto go on a massive run after that, right? That was to me, at least in my opinion, the first time that I've seen crypto move as a clear response of the banking system, right? Or, yeah. or, 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 or fear of the American banking system, whatever you want yep. to call it. But that's the first time me personally, I've ever seen that. And I think that that is massively, massively significant. I agree that on a three-month horizon, we're going into summer, we may consolidate here in crypto, we may chop. But I think when you look on a longer-term horizon, I think the U.S., by, or by weaponizing uh, the U.S. dollar against Russia, um, scared a lot of countries, rightfully so. And that's, that's going to affect us as a, a global reserve currency. For so for me personally, I am I used to trade crypto as a speculative asset. Now, for the first time, I'm truly, truly, truly looking at it as a hedge of my wealth against the dollar. I think that if the dollar starts inflating like crazy, worst case scenario, Bitcoin and crypto match the inflation, right? Basically, worst case scenario, I'm getting a real return of 0%, right? But in a much more likely scenario, if people are losing faith in the US dollar, while this inflation is happening, I'm much more likely to get a real rate of return. So like me, actually, like I have positions, uh, you know, on crypto right now that I don't want to sell for cash. And that's the first time I've ever operated that way. Like yesterday I sold like three Ethereum and I was even like literally debating that because I was like, I, I'm going to sell this three Ethereum into cash. I don't really want any more cash, right? And if I want to have this liquid to be able to buy into another position, I could just swap straight from Ethereum into that other position. I don't really need the cash to do that. So that just this two or three month like eye opener for me has been like really significant where I'm for the first time ever, I've been in the space for three years. For the first time ever, I'm actually holding crypto, at least a percentage of my wealth in crypto because I prefer having it there over the dollar. I'm not even holding it for speculative purposes. Sure. And well, first of all, appreciate the perspective. Uh, one last question for you, Kicks. When you say crypto, what does that mean? Does that mean Ethereum? I'm just trying to understand. Uh, that because means, I that think means Bitcoin and Ethereum only. I'm not holding and any other coin I'm holding for speculative purposes. Bitcoin and Ethereum are the only ones that I'm applying that mental framework that I just told you about. Like, I'm not I'm not being like, I'm not being like, uh, oh, man, I don't trust the U.S. dollar. So let me yeet it into Dogecoin. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, no, I want it in uh, Ethereum or Bitcoin. I know that you lean more towards uh, Bitcoin, which I totally understand. I just consider it personally, I consider Ethereum and Bitcoin sort of similar in terms of uh, like how the market views them. Although I completely agree that like functionally, if you're talking about like which acts more as a currency, it's it's Bitcoin. Ethereum is more like, you're you're kind of like betting on the, the the fees of the next internet, but like I I hold both. I do, and I think a lot of the market treats them as very similarly. But no, I'm not I'm not being like I don't want to hold U.S. dollars. I'm going to hold Pepe. Uh, I'm talking purely ETH and Bitcoin. Yeah, and I, and I'm not uh, taking a position of like Bitcoin over ETH, blah blah blah. I just say these things because the thing that I know the most about, have put the most work in is Bitcoin. However, obviously we are building businesses and products on Ethereum and I hold a ton of Ethereum. So it would be hypocritical for me to say that I do not believe in Ethereum. Uh, I just wanted to get that clarity because people throw around the word crypto quite a bit. And then when I talk to people at events and talk to people in the space, talk to people on Discord, talk to people on Twitter, I get a sense that there's some sort of gap when we talk about some of this stuff. So I like to ask specifics to try to understand exact, exactly what people are saying. Uh, before we move on, I just want to take a quick second to mention the sponsor of today's show, 
and that's Segment. So if you're ready to take your NFT game to the next level, Segment is here to revolutionize the way that you interact with your digital assets. I already mentioned it. Their lock and key model is a model where NFT owners can now unlock the full potential of their assets by sharing ownership with other users through ERC-1155 tokens. So this means you can collaborate, you can build community, you can even communicate, you can chat with the new owners of your NFTs, creating a whole new level of engagement and excitement. If you're new to the NFT game, you don't have to worry. The platform is designed to be user-friendly so everyone can easily navigate and interact with their NFTs. So whether you're a seasoned collector or you're just starting out, Segment's got something for you. So if you go to Segment.io and sign up for Segment's beta, that's Segment, S-E-G-M-I-N-T. We got it pinned to the top. Uh, you can discover the future of NFT asset sharing. All listeners of this show that join the Discord right now will receive a special role for being part of this audience. Uh, so anyway, moving on from the SEC, we had our little regulatory uh, theoretical conversation right there. If we take a look at the next 30 days, while the market for NFTs feels largely dead outside of some big-time action on Solana, some action in the meme land captain's ecosystem, here's a look at some potential catalysts we can run through one by one that may uh, shift the narrative. And keep in mind, the narrative in this space shifts quick, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, Yuga Labs, Evo 1 reveal is happening in May. That's the delay we talked about earlier being delayed after initially being slated for April. You can check that uh, roadmap item on their MDVMM site. Uh, so the question is, is heavy metal a buy at 1.26 Ethereum? It's down 30 for 34% over the past 30 days. Easy, what do you think? I think it's a buy. Woo! Yeah, I think that this is a play. Um, we're going to get this Legend of the Mara game as well coming out sooner than later. So this, Vessels, and Other Deeds are the three things I'm most excited about from Yuga's ecosystem. When you look at this, these were almost three ETH. We're down well over, what is that, 100%, I guess, technically 50%. These things have just sold off so 34% hard. over the past 30 days, Easy. We already did the math, so you don't have yeah, to. But I'm saying from th three plus ETH down to one and a half is... Uh, All right, we'll you know, do that math later. We'll do that math yeah, later. Quick, quick math. It's 75% down, it sounds like. 60% yeah, down. That's, it's, so right now, I'm like, this, for me, with this delay, I'm more privy to buy another deed in a vessel because that game looks like it's going to come out first. And then we get the EVO one launch. So right now, like my kind of like tier list is vessel, other deed expanded. Then a heavy. You don't think they dump on reveal though? So no, I don't, because this is going to be more of that burn mechanic. Uh, I think that's actually going to come into play, and you need to reveal it to play the game. So I think that this is actually going to have a similar price action to what we saw with the Dookie Dash keys, where initially it did sell, I guess, right at the start, only to then absolutely ramp. And uh, that first day, you could have actually gotten in, revealed, and sold for I want to say like a 30 40 percent gain before the sell off, because people kind of got bored of the game after 48 hours, like the space moves, only to then pump again into the closure of the game. Was that Bunny? Uh, Bunny, did you want to chime in? No, that's good. Maybe that's not. Suffices. Okay. Signal, any thoughts on heavy metal at 1.26? Uh, I mean, I'm, I haven't been really looking much at heavy metal. I'm more interested on the other deep side of, of, of this as, as, like, as a game. Um, it's just... But before other before the other D's evolved to expanded, it was just this long game of just like sitting around and waiting, like what will these other deeds become? And they've made it very clear that these expanded now act as some kind of uh, pass to the larger ecosystem of uh, what's going to be happening with uh, Legends of um, of um, Mara coming up. So. And what's interesting as well, when you look at um, Other Deed Expanded, is like it's down that 0.83. And it keeps getting closer and closer to the uh, the price target that EZ was talking about. I think he said 0.6 or 0.7, something like that. So when we're talking about these numbers, I think it's interesting to accumulate uh, different lands, different resources. Uh, make sure you have the um, the vessels as well. But I'm more interested in this than looking at heavy metal at the moment. 0.7 for these, 0.3 for vessels, 1 ETH flat for the two. And I think I'm going to get it maybe not exactly those two times. Targets. I think we may see 0 0.25, 0 0.75, but uh, yeah, the one ETH for the combined is what I'm looking at. For the for the other deed in the vessel. Yep. What's the target? Uh, how low does uh, heavy metal go? How high does it go? One and then up to two. I think is the two targets. One maybe 1.8, so a nice 80% run. I think you can get these just over a hair over one. 
is my target, like 1.05, 1.1. And then I'd be looking to exit around 1.718. How much longer do they bleed for? Until the end of May. They pushed the EVO one reveal to June, I believe. And that's what they said, that there were some issues with it. But whereas that's why like my focus here is other Deedon vessels first, play that game, get the exposure, then flip it into heavy metal. Okay. So if you look, look at, at that the, strategy, kicks. If you look at the Garga oh, tweet, ahead, he said there's the bunch of firsts in this uh, in this um, launcher reveal. What is that? I mean? don't know. It got me excited. Gamified reveal. They've been teasing it. It's a multi-layer gamified reveal, much like Dookie Dash. Damn. Uh, Bunny, what's your exposure to this? Oh, I floored it. <laughs> so you don't have no, any of no. this? Are you eating a uh, bagel? Potato chip, man. You caught me off guard. Didn't think you were going back to me. I wish I had a bagel. Almost stopped for one. Funny you mentioned it. <laughs> well, the the bagels in New Jersey are really good. Way better than my neighborhood. The, the Fun fact, the only bagel place in my neighborhood. Actually, I don't want to dox the neighborhood. Yeah, I'm moving, but I still don't want to dox the neighborhood. Uh, Bunny, would you trade a heavy metal? Like, based on what Easy's saying, would you get it? No, yeah, out? I actually, I think his targets are are, are pretty spot on. I, I hate to agree with them typically, uh, but I think he's right. <laughs> you hate to agree I with do. him. Kicks, you have your hand raised. What's going on, amigo? Yeah, so I, I own uh, one heavy metal. I, I had bought two. Uh, at like 1.8, sold one of them at 2.4 and then just wanted to hold the other. So now I've kind of given back all the gains on that trade. Yeah. I also own two other deeds. I, I haven't done the the splicing of them where I get all the other stuff. It's like the OG, they're still OG other deeds. Um, so like, obviously I have exposure and, you know, historically, you know, fading Yuga has, has never been a, a good play, but I, I do think my concern is, is that, you know, if you just look at the NFT stats and you look at the amount of active participants, I mean, there's just truly not that, not that many people uh, out there actively trading these things. And, and at that, at that time, like you guys, I mean, really hitting the gas, right. In terms of expanding its NFT uh, kind of at, at like number of assets, both in quantity yeah. and, just pure collections, right? Like, I think they they split other deeds into two at least two, at least two pieces, right? So some, I guess, three if you have a coda. Um, yeah. yeah, and then and then of course heavy metal. Um, I mean, really, as well. it's even more. It's more too because they're giving you like the helmets and stuff, you know. Yeah, exactly. There's just there's just a lot of, and then there's also just like uh, now there's like a non-linear uh, sort of messaging strategy, right? So like it was. I feel like for the first two years with them, it, it's been very, very linear, but now like there's different things going on, right? Like there's, there's the stuff going on for other deeds and other side. And now there's the stuff going on for heavy metal. And now there's stuff going on for the legends of Mara. So like we at least have a three-way fork here from like a messaging communication perspective. Um, and I think when you couple that with all of the new assets coming on the market, and then you couple that with, uh, like NFT participation being at pretty low levels, just like kind of my question is, is like, other than, you know, selling it to a Yuga Maxi, who, who's my real target to sell this stuff to? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be Bill Sanchez, you know, after he mows his lawn, it's going to come inside, hop on the computer and, uh, you know, decide to randomly buy a heavy metal. Um, you know, sewer pass made it seem like we were getting some like, you know, streamer game NFT kind of people, but I think most of them were just coming in to make money. Right. And yeah, like some people ended up holding the assets, but those are also because they made a ton of money, right? Like they weren't, they weren't fronting a lot of capital with no expectation of like short-term return. So uh, I'm, I'm very, very cautiously optimistic, uh, optimistic, but I'm 110% not adding my bag, like adding to my bags at all here. Fair enough. I, obviously, it, it was, in my mind, a massive success to attract the pro gamers. I agree with you. It wasn't a like just automatic onboarding. Now they're deploying millions of dollars of capital in. And I mean, look, whether or not this is the bottom, it damn sure ain't the top. But I like uh, the way Easy's thinking through this. Um, next topic, Amazon's NFT marketplace launch was slated for April 2023. Uh, initially offering 15 NFT collections for U.S. customers. Customers can buy fashion-oriented NFTs tied to physical clothing. 
Also, there were plans for customers to play crypto games in exchange for free NFTs. That sounds more, uh, you know, kind of on the money, at least for where the market is now. Easy. Any thoughts on Amazon getting into the NFT space? Yeah, I've shared it a little bit. I'm actually like really bullish on AVAX because of it. Uh, they've announced that they're going to be working with AVAX infrastructure, and I believe it's going to be a subnet that's on AVAX. So for me, like the AVAX price actions will be even more interesting to me. But I think that there's an opportunity here for a wider audience, especially if Amazon nails the messaging. We saw Reddit do really well because they never said the word NFT. They called it a digital collectible. They called your wallet your vault. And only time people ever realized that they could sell it was when somebody else on Reddit said, holy hell, your profile picture on Reddit is worth three grand. And the person said, what? I paid $99 for this. And then they had to break down like how to actually do this. And I think Amazon has a really interesting opportunity to have a very similar effect. A lot of people are like, this could be and probably is going to be a nothing burger, much like Coinbase. But I think Amazon went a different route. They've partnered with a lot of existing projects to launch things on Amazon's marketplace, which is more interesting to me because they already have existing audiences and user bases. So if you launch, say, a 5K collection on Amazon for a physical asset and item for a 10K supply, now you already have 10K buyers who want 5K of those items. And uh, it opens up a net new paradigm that I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with it. Love to I'm hear gonna, it. I'm going to take the counter on that. I'm going to take the counter on that because it's, it's, it's one of those things that we keep seeing. I'm getting an echo. Yeah, sorry. That was Clement. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, easy. I'm on the same page as you in terms of like the potential and the positive, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what we've seen over the past 12 months is that these companies come in as fast as they leave. We've seen uh, uh, Meta come into the Meta, like, Come into the metaverse with NFTs, etc. Take that point of view. They left. Instagram did the same. Disney did the same. So it's 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 as much as this division can make revenue for the business. You know, in in terms of how much potential revenue it can make compared to say AWS, which is obviously their biggest revenue stream, versus obviously what uh, Amazon as a platform, what it can generate as a marketplace. I don't think this is going to come even close to doing those numbers, and it becomes a question of how how much can this division be a loss leader for them until they're happy to either cut it or continue with it. And so my biggest concern with a lot of these companies coming in is that this is not their bread and butter. It does not have to survive for them. And so whilst they potentially could bring on um, a bigger audience and it could be mass marketed to more people so people know about collectibles um, 12 months from now this could just poof disappear and so the whole idea of digital ownership if it's living under sort of the Amazon blockchain and if, sorry if, if it's living under the Amazon blockchain can just disappear as well and that is what and that is my biggest concern with all of these large um, corporates is that at the end of the day this is not their bread and butter therefore it doesn't have to survive and we've seen the precedent for this over the last 12 months. I mean, look, it's a fair take. Uh, Facebook meta, very embarrassing, in my opinion, the way that they said that they were all in and then walked away. Uh, you Look, you're either in or, in or out, no matter what you're doing. Should also be noted that it was shared as of six hours ago that the official date that the marketplace for Amazon has been pushed back will be to May 15th. Uh, next story, back to captains. Captains revealing they saw an all-time high sale for 43 Ethereum over the weekend. Very big sale. Minted January 1st and have gone almost four months without revealing. We asked Ray when he came on the show. Ray, of course, the CEO of 9gag. We asked him, what's up with the reveal process? He said, we figured out that the longer you don't reveal, the more the price goes up. So we figure, yeah, we'll just continue letting the price go up and not reveal. Obviously, a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. Very funny guy. Easy, what do you think about where captains go from here? We'll, we'll make it quick because we've talked about them quite a bit over yeah. the past few days. Price target's 10 ETH. That's been the price target. Um, and maybe we go a little bit higher because we don't have tokenomics or actual meme token release. I think if they dropped the meme token during this like shitcoin craze, it would have done like a 1,000x just on speculation and hype because of the market loving altcoins and like, it's kind of dumpster fires at the moment, but I'm excited for it. It seems Ray and 9gag, the entire organization at the moment, has a really good grasp on Web3, and uh, they're having fun with it. it. seems a lot of people are excited about these, talking about them, getting eager, and playing into it. We're right back to 80. We saw 7.6 last night. So the price action and volatility on them has been relatively consistent. 0.7% listed is what's crazy to me. It seems like it's a lot of people who are sending them on the quest to get the maps for the token. It is just like tiered kind of what people call a Ponzi, of course. But uh, I'm excited to just read the tokens, the tokenomics and like whatever token paper they drop to figure out how to actually play this. Do I hold for the token? Do I get out before? But I do think once that drops, we see 10 ETH and it'll give me my target exit on both these and potatoes. Yeah, I mean, these things have been, uh, it's been a pretty unholy pump. 
Uh, I got in when you recommended them on the show at four and a half ETH, almost five. And uh, it's been a profitable trade. I think I'm up uh, 8,000 US dollars on the trade. It's, it's been crazy. Signal, any thoughts on captains? I am not up $8,000. <laughs> Those are my only thoughts. No, no. Uh, like, I mean, well, okay, like, yeah. And easy call this. I should have listened. I should have, like, you know, actually. It's rare when I have the conviction. This was one of them. I was like, <laughs> this feels great. Uh, at three and a half, four, four and a half. Uh, yeah. It's annoying. It's annoying. Uh, and I should, or, or I should have got um, a potato. But in terms of like when you look at the midships and where they are relative um, relative to Azuki, relative to sort of where Pudgies, they're really sitting in the middle. They're really like right next to D-Gods. We saw them overtake D-Gods before uh, the D-Gods sweep last night. Um, and I do think that they will become eventually second to Azuki. So I do think there definitely is that upside that Easy is talking about there. Whether they can hold that position post-meme token, I don't know. Depends what else Ray, uh, Ray, Ray comes out with. But he definitely seems to have mastered like that Web3 magic, that ability to like keep your holders interested, have, um, have, have people become sort of like your number one fans across the space. You can call them babies and it's okay. Uh, like, you know, his community laugh at it. He wants to empower his community. He wants his community to be able to stake ETH, uh, like, you know, become part of that validator network, but potentially possible. He just seems to be... Um, puppeteering the community in the correct way and they are positively responding to it. So I just would not be surprised if these guys managed to hold that number two position to Azuki going forward. Yeah, my thing is like, why can't these be priced the same as Azuki and why can't these flip mutant apes? That, that's like my thing because it's it's the premier asset of the meme land ecosystem. Like Signal just said, Ray gets it. Uh, to me, the meme land ecosystem, I mean, you know, full disclosure, like I said, I have one captains and I will sell it. Uh, however, to me, it just feels like he really understands uh, Web3. Moving on, we have Dot Swoosh, Our Force Mint on May 8th. So coming up, 106,453 supply minting at a price of $19.82, payable only with credit or debit card. Looks like that is going to generate $2 million for Nike from the primary sale. It's pretty clear that this is targeting a Web2 native audience, pricing it in dollars, having people pay for it with credit cards. I'm assuming the word NFT will not be all over that platform. Easy, what do you think of Dot Swoosh? It's interesting. I think that we are starting to see something here. You know, like for me, um, very eager and excited to see how they roll this out, Polygon Market. Some legs on it. Um, we'll see. You know, like it's really, I, I don't know if it's tough to say uh, how they men navigate this. <clears throat> there was some drama, I guess, between like Artifact and this and like what the move was from there. But uh, I don't know how to feel, to be honest. Like they got a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to Web3 and it really comes down to execution here. We'll have to see. Dot swoosh. Bunny, what do you think about it? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I like the I like the uh, like the, the the little three D like display thing that they had going on. That was cool. I think you could move the needle. Uh, Sneakerheads love exclusive shit, and uh, I don't know. Fran was really selling it on how rare these are in terms of shoes. Well, he Fran was talking about the Mur Murakami. Oh, you mean like the whole dot swoosh? Like just dot swoosh. I don't really care about dot. Yeah, buddy, that's what we're talking about. Is dot swoosh? Yes. Okay. All right. Th thank you. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Clemente, something to chime in with? Let's see if the echo is, is okay here. Um, yeah. I what, what has really impressed me the last two days from Nike marketing platform point of view is they've, they've been going hard, um, both from a dot swoosh point of view and um, clone X or, or their, their forging process. Like they've been going hard in Japan pushing. And then they, uh, they also bought some billboards in LA and I believe New York to push their dot swoosh drops. Apparently you can scan something with a QR code and it gives you this like virtual AR um, ad where it's like 3D and moving. Um, and I've been impressed by just how much Nike's been pushing this. Uh, they posted about it on Instagram to like their 200 plus million followers and got over like 400,000 likes. So I was impressed by that. Um, does, does this mean this uh, drop will sell out at 100,000 plus? I don't know. I think it will sell out, but um, I'm looking forward to it. And and hopefully uh, we can see the the numbers of uh, unique wallets in the Polygon system or in the Polygon ecosystem 
go up or down uh, after this drop. Yeah, I think it's going to sell out too. Easy, you think it's going to sell out? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I do think it sells out like without an issue. Yeah. Sig, any thoughts on Dot Swoosh before we move on? Yeah, it, it, it just sounds like it has so many parallels to Reddit. It just does. It just has that feeling of like uh, the Web3 space underestimating the impact that um, a drop like Dot, Dot Swoosh from Nike can come. Um, so a drop like Dot Swoosh can have on the market. Uh, Clemente, your, like, your comments about the billboards in LA, uh, the Instagram postings. I mean, that marketing awareness for me, I think, will translate into a full sellout. And then it's just figuring out these guys, they don't know they can trade this on secondary. They'll just think it lives in a box. So what will actually be the tradable supply? So, you know, you've got 100,000 dropping, but how many will actually go to secondary? Because most people won't know how to do it. So you have that Reddit parallel. Uh, and then you have to figure out what the rares are and what's, you know, and what's floor. And, and so there's, there's just a lot of things that I think at $19, yeah, take the bet. Take the bet that you'll be the first person, one of the first people to get it, be able to bridge it over and hopefully make some cash. Is there like an allow list or how do you buy this thing? Well, if you had a dot swoosh uh, account, you got a poster, which gave you early access to it. You have 48 hours in advance and then public. So they gave out posters to early supporters of dot swoosh. And then the posters actually have rarity, which there's speculation on that'll determine what you can actually get from the secondary drop. So do you have a poster? No. No, I was actually really slow on signing up for Dot Swoosh. I remember applying. I think I got the approval email and then just got distracted, per usual. So I uh, ended up missing that. I just I like to keep tabs on it. I think that there's a lot of really cool things that are coming out from traditional brands. And all it's going to take is for one of them to hit before other brands really start to piggyback on top of the idea and trying their own iteration of it. Yeah, I want to buy the Dot Swoosh, but I don't want to like have it be a whole day of my life to figure out how to do it. Um, Kicks has his hand raised. Kicks, what's going on? Yeah, just uh, one little insight. I like that uh, Signal, you know, compare this to Reddit um, and Reddit collectibles. And I also think a great thing to compare this to as well is the Trump digital trading cards. Um, they, they both have a lot of parallels in the sense of like the reason why the initial Reddit collectible avatars were so successful and the reason why the first Trump collection was so successful is because the percentage of normie buyers was way, 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 way higher than the percentage of NFT flippers, right? And now that Reddit collectible avatars have become much more known, there's a lot more flippers in it, and that makes the opportunities really evaporate. One of the things that I noticed with the second collection that Trump released, it sold out much quicker and with a much lower unique holder account, and that's because it was swarmed by a bunch of NFT mint and flippers and now look at the floor prices right like they're they're crap i'm not saying that it would be three or four x better um if there was more normie buyers but the first time around pia you remember it was a slow mint out right and there was a lot of people just normal people buying these with credit cards and stuff like that the second one had a much higher percentage of nft mint and flippers so it'll be interesting to see how this uh, Nike dot swoosh does. I think it, I think a, a lot more, it was a lot more on the radar of these minters and flippers. And uh, we'll have to see how much they were able to bot and create hundreds of, you know, dot swoosh accounts, but that's my only concern with this one. But I do think if uh, like, let's call it at least 50% of the people buying these are not in our tight knit NFT community, then it, it should be bullish. I'm not fading it. I'm not fading it at all. Uh, look, ladies and gentlemen, we got the free NFT in just a second. Just wanted to throw out one more shout out to today's sponsor segment. So if you want to imagine being able to tap into the future or the true value of your NFT collection and actually collab with other people in the space, well, that's what Segment's lock and key model enables you to do. By locking your NFTs and Segment's smart contracts and creating access keys through ERC-1155 tokens, you can share ownership of your NFTs with others. You can delegate utility and even access liquidity from your previously illiquid assets. Uh, security is obviously of paramount importance in this space, which is why Segment designed their platform with top-notch security and asset custody in mind so you can trust Segment that your digital assets are safe and secure while you have that flexibility that the platform gives you. So uh, don't let your NFTs collect virtual dust. Instead, visit Segment.io to sign up for Segment's beta and discover the future of NFT asset sharing. All listeners who join the Segment Discord right now 
will receive a special role for being part of this audience. You can check it out. It's pinned at the top. Join segment. That's S-E-G-M-I-N-T. And now for the free NFT, ladies and gentlemen. Go to the nifty.com slash claim and put in the code BRANDDOG. That's like Marlon Brando, B-R-A-N-D-O, and then G at the end to make it dog. Get it? Anyway, the free NFT is the dog father. This is the second free NFT in the Bodagos Cinema series. It seems that the Bodagos are up to some filmmaking. A little bit of an artistic spin for Buddy and the gang over there. And it seems like the latest production is the dog father. He's going to make your dog an offer that he can't refuse. And uh, go to the nifty.com slash claim. The code word is Brandog, B-R-A-N-D-O-G. Marlon Brando, eat your heart out. Buddy star in this picture. Francis Ford Dogala is the director. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. <laughs> that's our show. Signal shaking her head on me. That's our show. We run the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time right here on Twitter. If you want to share it with people that aren't psychopaths that spend all day on Twitter, share the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Share the YouTube channel. Share something with them. Anyway, follow Signal, follow Kicks, follow Easy, follow Clemente. Maybe follow Bunny. We don't care. Anyway, this is the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time. Feels like a bottom. Damn sure ain't the top. It doesn't matter. People that are saying NFTs are dead, crypto's dead, they just don't get it, man. And uh, don't worry about it because we're going to be back in a big way. Bitcoin having next year, potentially a different administration. Shit's going to pump. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow. We're not going anywhere. Catch you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening. Mm.